Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can turn them to the book of Matthew chapter 7. We're going to get there in a few minutes. If we haven't met before, my name is Garrett. I'm one of the pastors here. It's an honor to get to serve you. Uh, Today is a special day for two reasons. Today's a special day. The first reason is this, because on this beautiful, overcast Pacific Northwest day, the Seattle Mariners have the opportunity to sweep the Houston Astros. Can we just give God some glory that offense is back at T-Mobile? Kyle Lewis and Julio, they're doing their thing. I'm thrilled about it. Uh, Second reason that today is special is because today we're celebrating the birthday of somebody who means a lot to this house, a valuable member of this family. Today is Pastor Tyler Soley's birthday. Can we thank God for the gift that he is to this house? Man, I tell you what, it is such an encouragement to get to serve uh, a leader who's just marked by such character and humility and integrity. I'm so grateful for Pastor Tyler, for Amber, and for that whole family. If you think of them today, uh, maybe you want to say a prayer just thanking God for their leadership. Maybe your friends on Facebook, shoot him an encouraging message. I'm sure that he would love to hear from you today. Uh, This morning, we are continuing this series entitled... No offense. Would you say no offense? Now, come on, nudge your neighbor like you're about to say something that's a little bit problematic and say, no offense. Now, no offense has, has been a fun series. For, for some of this, this, is, this has been a difficult series. In, in fact, a few of you, you've been so kind and you've reached out via email to let us know that, that this series, while it's been encouraging for you, it's been a little bit difficult. In fact, there have been some points over the last few weeks where the Holy Spirit has kind of poked and prodded in the way that only he can to encourage, but also to to convict and to let us know about some growth opportunities that we have when it comes to living lives that are free of offense. This morning, I want to take a moment. I I, I want to review where we've, we've been over the last few weeks. Week one, hopefully you were here. Pastor Tyler gave an incredible teaching entitled Unoffendable Living. And this week, to kick off the series, we address the fact that offense is a choice. And now for some of us, depending on the circumstance, depending on what's going on, sometimes it's a, it's a pretty easy choice to make. But at the end of the day, offense is a choice. Likewise, living unoffended is also a choice. And that might be a difficult choice to make, but offense is a choice. Week two... We talked about a trap called revenge. Maybe, maybe you remember that box that we played with over there. And, and Pastor Tyler, he, he, he took the bait. There was this plate of cookies. See, sometimes we, we fall into these, these traps where something baits us in and, and we get stuck there. And in order to avoid that trap of revenge, there are two things we're called to leave. One, we're called to leave others out of it. We're not called to invite others to, to pick up our offense. But two, we're also called to leave room for God to act. Let him uh, enact justice in that situation. Week three, we talked about the cost of unforgiveness. And we laughed about the fact that while unforgiveness might not actually be a word that appears in our English dictionary, unfortunately, unforgiveness is a principle that oftentimes shows up in our life. We talked about this silly story that that some of us were were hanging on to unforgiveness almost as if we're, we're sitting here waiting for the person who stabbed us to come back around and and stitch us up again. There's a cost of unforgiveness. But likewise, in in week four, last week, hopefully you were here, we talked about the cost of forgiveness. 
And we examined some some biblical characteristics, some principles, and, and Pastor Tyler asked us these two questions. What are you willing to wear? What godly characteristics are you willing to put on? What are you willing to wear? And also, what are you willing to bear? See, all of that, these last few weeks, they lead us to where we are today. Would you, would you give me a drum roll, please, here? Come on. It's the end. Congratulations. Give yourself a round of applause. You made it. It's week five of our series. I know some of you, you have been anxiously awaiting this day when we could finally be done dealing with offense. Today, we're in a special place at the end of this series. And, and today, we arrive at a point where we're asking two very, very important questions. I'm sorry. Did you hear something? Why is the box moving? Hang on a minute. Come, 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 come with me here. What is, what is going on with our box and the, the offense? What's, what's going on here? Oh, Pastor Andy. It's hot in there. How long have you been in there? Ever since I got offended. What, what, what happened? Was it, was it something I did? Yes. Oh, 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 oh. So something I said? What, what, what did I do? How can I make it right? Um, really, it was my problem. Okay. And um, I realized I couldn't get out of that by myself. I've been trying to get out of there, and I just couldn't. And, and so what did you need? Somebody to help me out. Oh, so sometimes we, we need help getting out of, of the trap of, of offense. What was, what was the offense? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just curious. Was it, was it any... Was it anything that was problematic for you, bothersome at all? Was it, was it not, a thing that, okay? Not too bothersome. Not too. <laughs> Pastor Andy, I'm pretty sure that you have a tattoo as well. Why don't, why don't you tell everybody about it sometime? I got to go. Okay, all right. Why don't we let you go? Hey, can we give a round of applause for Pastor Andy? Tattoo's coming back out for a little bit here. Uh, two important questions that, that we have to ask today, and, and you heard Pastor Andy and I joke about it. Look, sometimes when we're caught in that offense, we, we need some help getting out. When you're stuck in that trap, oftentimes there's no way out on your own. You need another brother or sister to come help you spring free of that thing. And maybe that's the question that you're asking today. If after all of this time, all of this talk that we've done about offense, if you're here today and you're still stuck in that trap of offense, how do we help spring you free today? But perhaps you're here today, you're asking a different question. You're, you're not stuck in offense right now, but the bad news for you is that you've got breath in your lungs and you're going to interact with another human being this week, which means that there's an opportunity that's going to present itself for you to possibly be offended. And so if you're not stuck in offense right now, how, how do you avoid getting caught up in that trap moving forward? And see, that's the test for us. Really, as this series comes to a close, this principle, this test, and this wrestle does not end for us at all. And so today, what I want to do with a little bit of time that we have together today is I just want to treat today like the week before finals. I don't want to present you with any new material. I don't want to surprise you with anything new that's going to be on the test. No, I, I want to look back at some of the things that we've, we've learned. And, and spoiler alert, I, I, I hate to do this to you, but, but today I'm probably not going to tell you anything that you haven't already heard before. In fact, as, as we open up the word here in just a moment and look at scripture, we are probably going to talk about some passages in scripture that you have heard before. We're going to spend a lot of time reviewing today, and here's why. 
My hope, my earnest prayer as we unpack the word of God today is that you would be set up to succeed so that you can walk free of offense, so that you know how to employ the tools that the Holy Spirit has made available to you so that you can live life free of offense. Sound good? Now this morning, I'm grateful that I get to see all of you clearly today with my eyeballs. It's, it's wonderful to get to see your beautiful faces uh, because a few days ago, I was having a little bit of a hard time. See, today my contact lenses are working appropriately. I can, I can see all of you, but on Thursday morning, I was having a bit of a, a rough go. Now, I woke up early in the morning to head to the gym to try to get some work in on the uh, elliptical machine and... Uh, that's not true. I don't do ellipticals. Uh, but but I, was, I was hurried. I was trying to get there quick. I was very tired from the night before because I went to see Top Gun. And so in my haste, I cut some corners. I threw my contact lenses in as quickly as I could. I didn't brush my teeth. I just did mouthwatch, which is a big, big no-no. And I took off to the gym. And while I was there doing my set of 15 ellipticals, all of a sudden, my eye began to bug out on me, and, and so I started to, to rub it, trying to bring about resolution to, to the issue. And the problem was no amount of rubbing was actually doing anything. And, and so at this point, I went over and I, I grabbed some eye drops that I happened to have in my gym bag that day, and I, I put some eye drops in, and of course, in order to do this, you have to stick your tongue out all weird. And, uh, but no amount of, of saline rinse was actually solving the, the issue. And so then I just started doing this. I just started blinking a lot, thinking, well, maybe that'll dislodge if there's an eyelash or something. And, and at this point, the other elliptical uh, mates at the gym are now beginning to look at me, concerned that, like, is he having a medical emergency? What's, what's going on? I'm getting frustrated. My eye is hurting worse and worse. Now I'm jumping up and down, and I'm just frustrated. My eyes bothering me. And, and so finally, I got so frustrated with the situation, I just ran into the bathroom. I flipped the light on, looked in the mirror, and, and just tried to see what is stuck in my eye. And I couldn't see anything. And, and so I did this horribly ill-advised thing. If, if you're an optometrist in the room or watching online today, just, just plug your ears because this is going to drive you nuts. I took my dirty, unwashed, elliptical-touching hands, and without washing them, I shoved them in my eyeball, and I yanked that contact lens out. And I did this hoping that when I took the lens out, I, I would be able to see may, maybe there was something stuck on the inside of my contact lens between that contact and my pupil. Maybe there was a foreign object that I was just having a hard time seeing that I needed to remove. But when I pulled that lens out, what, what I saw wasn't a foreign object there. What I saw was something else that was equally problematic. If you know how contact lenses work, they, 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 there's this perfect concave that a contact lens should have so that it sits appropriately on your pupil. And if you have an astigmatism, it's made of a special material to fit your eyeball differently. Normally, those contacts, if they're sitting right, there's a perfect concave, and, and that helps it sit right when you blink and when you look around. But sometimes that contact lens gets flipped upside down. And then that curve isn't so perfect. Then it kind of waffles out at the top and it moves around on your eyeball and it becomes very, very uncomfortable. And, and in my haste that morning, that's what I had done. I put my lens on inside out. The problem was that no amount of rubbing, no amount of blinking, no amount of saline solution was ever going to right that wrong. 
And because I got so frustrated, so caught up, so overwhelmed in this circumstance that I found myself in, I I did something that was very foolish and very ill-advised. I took dirty hands and I put them in my eyeball, which which sometimes makes things worse. And now we would would all agree that, that our eyes, they're important. They matter. But here's what I've learned over years and years and years of wearing contact lenses. Our eyeballs are delicate. Our eyeballs are sensitive. They require a gentle touch. And that's okay because our eyeballs are important. They are valuable. But because they are sensitive, our eyeballs can be easily wounded. Likewise, here's what I've also found to be true. Our eyeballs are much like our emotions. At times, they can be sensitive. At times, our emotions and our feelings, while valuable and important, can be easily hurt. And there's a trap for us because when our feelings are hurt, it is very easy to become offended. Furthermore, when we get hurt, oftentimes we give in further to silly behavior that only makes things worse. We, we take the bait. And oftentimes, worse yet, offense, it even begins to act as that blunt object that's trying to rub away the problem. But instead of removing or resolving the issue, offense only makes things worse. See, offense robs us of our ability to be gracious and tender when healing or correcting. Also, offense, it's, it's a horrible thing because it does absolutely nothing to cleanse our hands of the filth that will inevitably cause further issues when we attempt to address the problem at hand. The book of Matthew chapter 7, this is a famous passage of scripture. If you've been following Jesus for a while, surely you've read this. If you're new to church, if you're new to scripture, you've probably even heard some of the words that we're about to read here in the book of Matthew chapter 7. Look at what Jesus says here, Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. He says this, do not judge so that you won't be judged. Many of you, you've, you've heard this statement before. In fact, maybe you've seen somebody with a silly, ill-advised tattoo that says, only God can judge me. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. Look at what Jesus says next. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you use to judge others. You'll be measured by the same measure that you use. And now look at the image that Jesus paints for us here. He tells kind of a silly story in verse 3. He says, why do you look at the splinter? Would you say splinter? Why do you look at the splinter that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? And now he asks this this silly question. He says, how can you say to your brother, hey, let, let, let me help. Come on, let me get in there. Let me, let me remove that splinter from your eye. But look, there's a beam of wood in your own. I love Jesus' sense of humor here. And look at what he says next. This is some harsh language. He says, you hypocrite. First, take that beam of wood out of your own eye. Deal with you so that, and here's why, so that you can see clearly to take this splinter out of your brother's eye. The title of my message today is The Splinter and the Solution. And here in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 7, we see that splinter presented to us right off the bat. It's the first thing that Jesus says, 
And oftentimes this is what gets caught in our eye. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. For many of us, there is a judgmental spirit that can get caught in our eye and impair our ability to see things clearly. Now, we'll call back here because maybe you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Tyler, he told this story about bumper cars. Do you remember this? And maybe when I say this statement that that Jesus made here, don't judge, maybe that statement hits you a little bit different depending on your personality type. Because there are some of us on the bumper car arena of life, we're avoiders. We do anything and everything that we can to just avoid conflict. Look, the last thing that we want to do is find ourselves in a tense situation where, where there might be a collision of two opinions or of two people. And some of us, we'll do anything that we can to avoid being in a seat where we might have to make a judgment call that has the potential to hurt another person's feelings. Some of us, maybe our Enneagram type or our Strengths Finder type is, is one that we just, we avoid conflict. And so when we hear don't judge, that's music to our ears because it gives us an opportunity to step back, to disengage. There are others of us, though, y'all play life by a different set of rules. And you hear this, and and it's problematic for you because you love conflict. You look for it. You seek out full contact drills. You played middle linebacker in junior high, and you're ready to relive the glory days. Here's the challenge. The nuance to this is that the way that the human psychology actually works, none of us can truly be completely boxed into one of two extremes. That's not actually how how our lives work. Most of us, we kind of vacillate between the two. In fact, oftentimes you'll even find that sometimes we get caught somewhere in between. Uncertain of how to appropriately move forward. Lord, Lord, should I act? Should I enable some level of of sound judgment here? Or should I just sit on my hands and and do nothing and, and allow things to take place that might be problematic? Should I avoid? Should I confront? What do I do? It's important for us to remember that this same Jesus who here in Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 makes the statement, don't judge, will also say this 14 verses later in that exact same passage of scripture. Matthew 7, 15, he says this, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. This is where we get that phrase, a a wolf in sheepskin. Look at what Jesus says next here in verse 16. He says, you will recognize them by their fruit. See here, this same Jesus who says, don't judge, is now suggesting that to some extent, we are capable of assessing and distinguishing characteristics about a person. And you and I, this is is tricky, it's a fine line to walk, but but we are entrusted with passing an amount of judgment, but only so far as it pertains to the other individual's teachability, their humility, and their submission, not their eternal destination. In other words, maybe this is a helpful tool for you. You should be quick to evaluate someone's characteristics. You should be slow to pass judgment on their character. Judge a tree by its fruit, but be so careful judging character. See, the Holy Spirit does give us sound judgment. He does give us discernment. It's a gift that he entrusts to those who have said yes to life in Jesus. And several times over throughout the New Testament, 
He insists that we ought to use this sound judgment and employ it in how we interact with other members of the body. But unfortunately, it's very easy to get this wrong. Unfortunately, it is so easy for us to become guilty of criticizing or judging others to make ourselves look good. And if we're honest with ourselves, many of us, we do this without even thinking. We do it on accident. We do it we didn't mean to. But that's not the life that we're invited to live. See, Christ followers are invited to first judge themselves so that we can help others look good. There's a difference. Jesus talks about this order of how we ought to judge ourselves first. The book of Luke chapter 18, this is probably a passage of scripture you're familiar with as well. Jesus tells a story here in Luke 18, verse 9. It picks up and he, he says this. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. If you're reading in your own Bible, go ahead and circle this. There's a splinter here. He told this to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And because they had this self-reliance, this goofy self-trust, it caused them to look down on everybody else. And so Jesus told them a story. He said this, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. One was a man of God. One was part of the religious elite. A man who should be walking with Jesus or with God every day, reading the Torah, the Old Testament, continually inviting God to make him the person that he was purposed to be. And the other was a tax collector, an outcast, someone who betrayed his own people, someone who time and time again had put his best interest before his own people. And yet look at what happens here. The Pharisee was standing and here's how he prayed about himself. God, thank you that I am nothing like these other people. Look at this distancing language that he uses here. God, thank you that I'm not like these other people because they're greedy. Oh, they're so unrighteous. The filth of these adulterers. Oh, God, thank you. And look, now he makes it personal. God, thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. And now because he's judging others poorly, look at the way that he seems to see him, himself. I, I fast twice a week. Look at my good behavior. I give a tenth of everything that I get. Look at me, look at me. But by contrast, here's what we see for the tax collector. It says this, the tax collector standing far off would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but he kept striking his chest saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And look at what Jesus says. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other because everyone who exalts himself will be, would you say this word, humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Did you catch the splinter that was in the Pharisee's eye here? It's the splinter that was in the eye of the, the, the listeners when Jesus told this story. He, he told this story to some who trusted in themselves. And because they had this awful self-reliance, this awful trust in self, it caused them to think that they were righteous and view others as inferior. It led to them looking down their nose on everybody else. This pretentiousness kicks in. But that's not the life that we were called to live. And, and certainly you would have thought that a Pharisee understood this because a Pharisee had access to Old Testament scripture. So he should have known the truth of Proverbs 14 
which reminds us this, there is a way that seems right to a man. There is a perspective that I have, there's a vantage point that I have, and it becomes very easy for me to trust in what I can see, what I think I know, what I've done before in the past. There's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, its way is death. Here's a trap for us. The more that we trust in self, the more that we become blind to the dangers of self. That's the splinter that we have to keep out of our eye. Here is the solution that Jesus presents for us from Matthew 7. It's this. It's also recorded back in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, just a few chapters earlier. Maybe you've heard this before as well. Trust in the Lord. And trust Him with all of your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. More than what you can see, more than what you think that you know in all your ways, know him. And here's what he'll do. He'll make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Instead, fear the Lord and act accordingly. Turn away from evil. And look at what happens when we do this. Here's the solution. This will bring healing for your body, strengthening for your bones. So again, we're we're here today and and we're asking one of two important questions. If you're still stuck in a fence, how do we spring you out? Maybe you need a brother or sister to come help get you out of of that thing. Or maybe you're here today and you're not stuck in that trap, but, but you know that one might be coming. How do we help you avoid it in the future? Matthew 7 reminded us of a few principles. The first one is this, and we saw it right there in the text. If we're going to live free of offense, we have to see clearly. Would you say see clearly? No, oftentimes, uh, confession time for me, I'll, I'll be vulnerable with you. I have been following Jesus for as long as I can remember. And because of this, you would think that sometimes it's easier to see things clearly, but unfortunately, there is a trap in life that that sometimes the opposite is true. See, oftentimes, it's very, very easy for me, maybe you can relate, to allow spiritual snobbery to kick in. See, sometimes it's, it's easy for me to convince myself that my own snot doesn't stink. Sometimes I I begin to believe that just because I have years in the game walking with Jesus, that that I, just like this Pharisee in Luke 18, or that goofball with the two-by-four sticking out of his eye, I convince myself that somehow I'm God's gift to humanity. Oh, I'm God's gift to my family. They're so lucky to have me. I tell you what, boy, my friends, they sure are lucky that they've got a friend like me. Gosh, this, this team of coworkers, boy, they are so blessed to have an intelligent person like me on board. We'd never admit to those things out, out loud, and, and certainly we'd, we'd never start out that way, but there's this sneaky line of thinking that can kick in if we're not careful. See, most of us don't just wake up in the morning thinking, wow, today I want to be a raging egomaniac. Most of us don't wake up in the morning thinking, how can I be a total narcissist today? No, but here's here's what happens. This is the trap. This is the slippery slope of ego and pride. Latent narcissism is a sneaky little thing. And before you know it, that bait can catch you like a hook. And if you aren't careful and diligent in your prayer life, practicing the daily disciplines of confession and repentance. If you're not careful, you will wake up one morning forgetting the height from which you have fallen. 
And see, this is why Paul establishes an important standard for us, the book of Romans chapter 3. You've probably heard this verse as well. It says this, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned, the Pharisee, the tax collector, everybody in between among us, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And here's how we're made right. It's not by fasting. It's not by giving a percentage of your income. It's not by any of your good behavior. That's not your justification, friend. No, we are justified freely by the grace of Jesus, the redemption that he has made available to us. And friend, if that doesn't give you some hope, I don't know what will. This should govern some things for us. This shouldn't make uh, us view ourselves uh, worse, but this should help us look in the mirror correctly. It also shouldn't help us or enable us to view others as inferior. Rather, it should remind you that that person gets to partake in the same good news that you do. And as broken and as goofy and as jacked up as they might be, they, just like you, have hope in Jesus. In order for us to unlock the solution to offense, we have to see others and ourselves clearly, and here's the hint, you have to get your view of self right before you can worry about someone else. We've got to see clearly, but in order for us to see clearly, there might actually be something lodged in there that that we need to to deal with. And sometimes there's this thing that just gets stuck in our eyes. It's this second principle that we actually see at play here as well in Matthew chapter 7. Some of us we need to see clearly, some of us we just need to simmer down. Would you say simmer down? Look, oftentimes we get caught in these situations in life where let's, let's tell it like it is. We can see clearly. We have a clear vantage point on what's going on. We see the injustice of the circumstance so clearly, in fact, that now we're not just seeing clearly, we're seeing red. Man, oftentimes we we find ourselves just seething and stomping with anger. We're caught up on an offense and we're stewing and simmering. and, And we might have been right to point out what was wrong around us, but now we've become fixated on that wrong thing and it's keeping us from doing the right thing. And there are some of us, we just need to stop simmering with anger and we've just got to simmer down. Now, before you think that I'm being dismissive or, or, or insensitive to your situation, please follow me here. Because look at what the Apostle Paul writes, the book of Philippians chapter 2. This is my favorite verse in all of Scripture. It is so hard to get this principle right. But I found in these brief moments of life when I finally begin to unpack it, things around me tend to improve so quickly, it's crazy. Philippians two chapter, uh, chapter 2 verse 3 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. That's a smudge on the lens. That's gonna impair your ability to see things clearly. But rather, here's what Paul invites us to do in humility. Would you say humility? Humility. See, in humility, consider others as more important than yourself. Can I be vulnerable with you? It's, It's hard, I get it. Man, sometimes I struggle to just view somebody else as half as important as I am. Gosh, sometimes it is so difficult just to view someone as an equal. Here's the standard Paul is inviting us to, to view others as more important than ourselves. 
And most of us, we, we wouldn't be honest enough to admit that we actually view a person as less important than us. It's not that they're less important than us, it's, it's just that they're less important than all the things that we have to do that day. They're less important than our agenda. No, friend, we're called to view others as more important than ourselves. Everyone should look not only to their own interests, but rather to the interests of others. So here's the most valuable tool that you can have in your bag for dealing with offense. Whether you're caught in it right now, whether you're desperately trying to avoid it, it's humility. Humility is your most valuable tool because here's what humility does. Nine times out of ten, when there's offense, there is usually enough blame for both parties involved. Now again, over the last five weeks, we've made it a point to pause frequently and acknowledge the fact that there are certain situations, abuse, domestic violence, where some of what we're saying should probably be taken with a grain of salt. Okay, this is the great burden of, of speaking to a large audience like this and, and not even knowing who's on the other side of this camera lens. At times, you're forced to make some fairly generalized statements that don't allow you the opportunity to articulate the nuance of certain circumstances that might be more complex, they might be more messy than we're giving them credit for, I understand that. And listen, here today, if, if that's you, if you're in that type of situation, first of all, get out. Second of all, though, take what we're about to say very, very loosely because it just might not apply the same way to that situation especially if there's malicious intent to cause physical, emotional harm to, to another person. I'm making a generalized statement. Nine times out of 10, the majority of our offenses are caused when two good-natured people just see things differently. And if you are a married person in the room, you know that this is true. Two good-natured people, good-natured people who love each other, who love the Lord, two good-natured people that at one point in time had a twinkle in the eye when they saw each other, now see this situation so very differently. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're a parent, and now that good-natured person in you, that love that you shared has now created a life, and now you've got this other little image bearer running around your house, but somehow, some way, even someone who shares your DNA can still see things differently. If you've ever worked with another human being at your employer, man, they might be articulate, they might be intelligent and capable and hardworking, but doggone it, sometimes they just see things differently. Come on, can you believe it, friends? There are people living in this state who have passed a written exam to obtain a Washington State driver's license, and they still don't understand how to zipper merge on I-5. Can you believe it? And some of y'all just got free from something right now because we just gave voice to something that's trapped you for so long. Man, I cannot understand how some people, other image bearers of God, don't know how to use a blinker and just wiggle in there, friend. Come on. And oftentimes there's this smudge of entitlement on our lens that disables our ability to see ourselves honestly with all of our failures and our faults or see the other person in a favorable light as a child of God. And when you can't see yourself or others clearly, you've got to get that lens clean. Because if you don't, 
inevitably you're going to get all hot and bothered. You're going to get all puffed up and you're just going to sit there and go drive that Prius. <laughs> and friends, some of us, we would do well to just simmer down. Remember Pastor Tyler's statement from week two, being wronged doesn't justify doing wrong. Here's what I've found. When I get angry, more often than not, the thing that I do next is wrong. Now, it's not a sin to be angry. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But it is a sin to allow my anger to cause me to mistreat another person. Here's what I found. Humility. Humility is the greatest clarifier. Humility gets that smudge off the lens. Humility is the greatest de-escalation tool available, and it helps me simmer down a little bit. So maybe next time you feel yourself caught up in a fence, emotions are rising, your, your, your heart rate is spiking, blood pressure is through the roof, maybe you just need to ask yourself a few questions from Philippians 2. Maybe you need to ask, hey, is, is part of the offense that I have picked up here due to my selfish ambition? Am I making this about me? Maybe you need to ask this question. This is scary. Would I be so offended if I was preferring the needs of the other person above my own? Would I be so offended if they were more important than me? See, friends, you can still see things differently, but humility helps you see yourself and the other appropriately. We've got to see some things clearly. We've got to employ humility to, to do this. We, we've got to find a way sometimes until we can see things clearly or even when we can see things clearly, best practice would be to not do anything foolish and just simmer down a little bit. But finally, this, this third thing we see, Paul writes about it in the book of Ephesians. He says this, Ephesians chapter four, with all humility, see here's that word again, with all humility and gentleness and with patience, what are you willing to bear? What godly characteristics are you willing to, to put on so that you can bear with one another in love? Can I tell you the truth? It's, it's hard for me to do this with people I am offended by. It is hard. When I am offended with someone, it is hard for me to treat them with humility. It's hard for me to be gentle with people I'm offended by. It's hard for me to be patient with people I'm offended by. But the inverse of that is also true. Man, when I make it a point to treat someone with humility when I make it a point to treat someone with gentleness, when I make it a point to treat someone with patience, it's hard for me to hold on to offense with that person that I am bearing in love. And here's what spiritual maturity should move us to. Sometimes our actions have to precede our feelings. And I understand that that is a very difficult invitation, but friend, if you are sitting around waiting until you feel like being humble, waiting until you feel like being gentle, waiting until you feel like being patient, you're going to be waiting a long time. Sometimes we've got to act right in order to get our feel right. Bearing with one another in love, look at what Paul says, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Here's the third thing we're called to do. It's to seek peace. Now remember this, peace does not just depend on one person. Romans 12 reminds us, so far as it depends on you, there's an extent, live at peace with others. 
Friend, we, we, we can't make peace with everyone. So don't let your Enneagram helper or your winning others over or whatever personality thing that you've got going on, don't let it allow someone to take advantage of you here. There is no living at peace with a tyrant. But you and I were called to live lives that seek peace in the middle of chaos. Lives that embody stillness amidst violence. Lives that act in compassion when we're surrounded by deceit. Lives that live out love when we're bombarded by hate. We are invited to seek peace when we are overwhelmed by the opportunity for offense. And maybe today in your situation, hey, maybe, maybe you've done all that you can. I don't know the specifics of, of your circumstance. I don't know the ins and outs. I'm not going to pretend like I do. You know what's going on there. But more importantly, so does the Holy Spirit. And if that comforts you or that concerns you, it might tell you what you need to do next. If you're here today and, and you're asking the question, how do I get out of this trap or, or how do I avoid it in the future? Maybe you need to ask yourself the question, have I made? Am I making every effort to seek peace? And what might that pursuit of peace look like? Maybe for you it's a phone call. Hey, maybe it's an apology. Maybe you gotta write a, a, a letter. Maybe for you, it's just beginning to pray for that person because right now the lines of communication are severed. I don't know enough about your circumstance to prescribe a treatment plan. That's for you and the Holy Spirit to figure out. I'm not the great physician, but aren't you grateful that he is? Come on, aren't you grateful that he's more than capable of accurately diagnosing what went wrong and then prescribing what needs to take place so that things can be made right? Look, friend, the last thing that I want to do is, is run around living my life with a plank in my eye. That is uncomfortable for me. That is dangerous for everyone else. Pastor Tyler made this statement. He said this is the best way to rid yourself of an enemy is to turn them into a friend. What would it look like for you to seek peace this week? We need to see clearly. We, we, we need to first see ourselves clearly so that we can see another clearly. We need to have the right tools at our disposal. And, and, and humility is, is the best tool so that we can go in and provide the right help. Remember Matthew 7, we, we remove those impairments so that we can actually go love and serve another brother or sister. And finally, we need to seek peace because you and I were called to imitate the Prince of Peace. I'm gonna invite you to pull out your phone right now. There's a slide that's gonna come up on the screen. It's got a QR code you can scan. You're with us online, you can do the same thing. There's an option popping up there. Or if you're old school, there's a little paper card on the seat back in front of you. It's a next steps card. And I'm gonna invite you right now to, to, to commit to putting something into practice today. Maybe for you, you just wanna let us know what that circumstance is that you're, that you're wrestling with, that you're working through, so that we can pray for you. Listen, we, we believe in the power of prayer. And so maybe today you just want to give us a spark notes on that situation so that we can cover it in prayer this week. Maybe this week you're, you're going to take the next step. This is one of the ones that, that you can select there. You're going to seek peace. You're going to pursue peace. And, and if that's what you're going to do this week, look, it's going to require some creativity. It's going to require a whole lot of courage. We want to pray for you as well. Let us know if that's what you're doing this week. Maybe you're here though. You're gonna take the ultimate next step today and, and you're gonna step into that right standing with God made possible because of what Jesus did. Not your good behavior, not your scripture memorization, your tithing, any of that, 
But what Jesus has done for you gives you right standing with God. And maybe today you want to accept that gift of salvation, become a follower of Jesus. If that's you, click that box that says, I'm saying yes to following Jesus. Our team wants to call you this week. We want to send you a gift that talks about that decision that you're making. We want to pray with you as well. Can I invite you to bow your heads? I want to pray for you here today. Jesus, we're so grateful for who you are. God, we're grateful that you give us the tools to live life free of offense. God, I pray that you be with my friends today. As they go from this place to be life bringers to their community, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give them the tools necessary to live in power, in victory over sin. God, for friends who are saying yes to you today for the first time, we celebrate with them. And and if that's you, I'm gonna invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Life Center, because we're welcoming these new friends into a bigger family, I'm just gonna invite all of us to pray this prayer together so that they hear the voices of their new family. Come on, can we repeat this prayer together? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation and help me to follow you every day of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, can we applaud those who prayed that prayer today? I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet now. We'll have a few pastors down front. You wanna pray with somebody, you wanna talk with somebody, please come do so. Swing by our Connect Center, say hi there. Swing by our students table and get registered for Camp Life Center. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. Go Seattle Mariners.